This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. She had a productive life and she was very brave and she actually wrote and finished her novel, you know, with that kind of struggle. That's singer-songwriter Dan Hill talking about his sister Karen. She passed away just over a week ago after a freak accident. Karen was just out of hospital when it happened. She had struggled with mental illness for 30 years. We'll talk to Dan about how that affected her life and her family. Plus, spring is in the air, and that means many of us are eager to get out into our gardens and start planting. However, after the devastating ice storm and a brutal winter, there might be some extra steps and precautions to take this spring. I'll get the scoop from Charlie Dobbin of Zoomer Radio's Garden Show. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Want to live longer? Eat even more fruits and veggies. The rule of thumb until now has been to eat five servings a day, but a new study from the World Health Organization finds seven portions of fruits or vegetables daily can reduce a person's risk of dying of cancer and heart disease by 25 to 30 percent. 94-year-old Norma Marshall has come forward to warn people about a crime that's usually shrouded in silence, elder abuse. The Toronto resident was victimized by a couple that insinuated themselves into her life after she hired the woman as a housekeeper. They moved into her home uninvited and put her in a small bedroom. Police say Ms. Marshall lost her life savings. The life savings is one thing, but then what it does to you emotionally is worse. Vera Nunez and her husband are facing a number of charges, including theft and fraud. A major Toronto hospital is trying to entice wealthy foreign patients to pay out of pocket for Canadian health care in order to increase revenue. The board of Sunnybrook Health Sciences quietly approved an international patient program at the end of last year. So far, a woman from Barbados paid about $60,000 for radiation treatment for breast cancer, and a Jamaican man paid $20,000 for radiotherapy for prostate cancer. All Canadian hospitals see foreign patients in emergencies, and at least one, Toronto's University Health Network raises millions treating international patients on a referral basis. But Sunnybrook's limited one-year experiment is different in that the hospital is openly soliciting medical tourists. And finally... We, do, we don't have the, uh, the timing of this precisely down. It will be, I'm, I think, at least a year or so. But sometime in the not-too-distant too future, 2015, for the love of God. Yeah, in fact, uh, Paul and I will be wrapping things up and uh, taking a hike. <laughs> That's David Letterman announcing his plan to retire next year. Letterman has been a fixture of late-night television for over 30 years since launching Late Night on NBC in 1982. 
A decade later, he had hopes to fill Johnny Carson's shoes as the host of The Tonight Show, but lost out to Jay Leno. However, Letterman found tremendous success as the host of a new show, The Late Show, on CBS. The show is currently in its 21st season. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. I always knew this time would come Still I'm not ready Is anyone That's Daddy's Song, Karen Hill's favorite song by her brother Dan Hill. Ironically, those words now ring true about Karen. She passed away suddenly last week at the age of 56. She had been suffering with mental illness for three decades. It is an illness that strikes families, in this case, a very illustrious family. Karen's father, Daniel, was a groundbreaking human rights activist. Her brother, Lawrence, a celebrated author, and her brother, Dan, a world-renowned singer-songwriter. I talked to Dan about her life, her loss, and the family's struggles with mental illness. This was very unexpected. Yes, it was. That has to make it much worse. Well, it does. You know, it's funny that you say that, Libby, because I always thought the worst thing was the way um, my dad died, which is kind of the death of a thousand cuts, where you're just hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. And uh, and, uh, I thought there could be no worse way to die, but there are no (laughs) perfect ways to die, I don't think. And um, certainly when it's a random accident, you know, uh, when it's a person who's only 56, when that person, had, you know, is very, very, very close to her 24-year-old daughter, and that same daughter doesn't really have a relationship with her father and is a, an only child, yeah, that that that, that is really, really um, spectacularly uh, shocking. You know, I got the news in Nashville. That's the same way I found out about my dad. So I was in Nashville 11 years ago flew back and my sister was in the same hospital as my dad, St. Mike's, and she died in the same room as my dad. Oh my God. The ICU unit on the fourth floor. I would like to add that the uh, the staff at the ICU unit were absolutely unbelievable. They were so warm. They were so kind. They were so loving. Did you have a chance to say goodbye to your sister? I called my sister from Nashville two hours before she went out to the dinner where she choked on food and went into the coma that killed her. It was a really great phone call. She'd been in uh, the psychiatric ward in lockdown at Sunnybrook for, say, two and a half weeks. I could be off. She sounded really good. You know, she sounded like the meds had finally kicked in. Your sister was a very creative person, but she suffered with mental illness. Um, So she'd have periods when she was fine and then periods when she had episodes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, now... Again, she didn't suffer from mental illness until about 1984. So that was her first, I'll call it for lack of a better term, psychotic breakdown, meaning that she totally did not know who she was, where she was, who I was, who my brother was. So once that hit, her whole life changed. So basically, although she had a productive life and she was very brave, and she actually wrote and finished her novel, you know, with that kind of struggle, which, as my brother said in today's star, is absolutely the courage that must have taken and your brain is really dulled by risperidone. You know, it calms down the the voices, the paranoia. You don't think that people in a TV station that you're looking at are about to kill you, but it also dulls your brain. Since the time of her first breakdown, you as a family 
have been coping with this in the family, as many other families do. What is that like? What does that involve? Well, it means uh, knowing when to get her into the hospital, knowing when the signs are there. We could always kind of figure out when my sister was about to go, you know. So then one of us, we usually took turns, would literally have to take her against her will, almost like in a bear hug style, and get her locked up or she was going to kill herself. And um, that's, that happened, I can't remember exactly how many times, but for just guessing it probably happened 10 times since she came home in uh, 1989, I believe. Wow, I mean, the toll that that takes sounds terrible. It was really, really hard. It's so hard to see someone so sad. The last time was especially crazy because, as my brother again wrote in today's Star, she escaped. And when she got home, my brother finally found her at 5 in the morning because she'd ripped off all her IV you know, stuff. She was bleeding all over the place. My brother gets there, finally finds her, the poor guy, you know. There's like 12 cops there. My brother walks in there, and the cops thinks that my brother's probably the guilty party. You know, so this is sort of like a tragicomic farce. Then my sister got back to the hospital, and then she was put in really severe lockdown. And lockdown, like of the severest kind, is very much like prison, and I've been to both. You have to surrender everything when you visit. Pins, belts. This one was the hardest. I could see that this was the worst one for her. I remember telling my brother, oh, my God, I don't know. This is, going to be, this is the worst one yet. I don't know if she's going to make it out of this one. You have mental illness in your family. Yeah, like I said, the first experience for me was when I came home from recess in grade three, and my aunt, who was living with us, had tried to commit suicide. She was on a stretcher and being pulled out of my house. It's about 50-50 in our family, whether you're bipolar or not. Maybe 60-40. There are so many families that, you know, have mental illness to deal with, and it's so difficult, and, you, you know, we don't hear much about that. No, it's, you know, it's uh, the, the pathology of silence makes it all that worse. We need to take the secrecy and the stigma of shame out of this, and we also need to have people that know how to go into different cultures, because the great thing about Canada and Toronto is it's a very ever-shifting cultural mosaic. So someone that may be... Um, coming from a upper-middle-class WASP background, and I don't mean any disrespect by that, would have a totally different attitude about this than someone who's just come in from Sudan or from China. What do you want to leave us with about Karen, about your sister? Well, that there's no shame, you know, about having this kind of illness. This is a random genetic lottery kind of illness, you know, and that you can sometimes use this illness... Uh, to be uh, unbelievably creative. We need to destigmatize it and realize that even with this illness, we are still capable of doing great things. Okay, Dan. Thank you so much for taking the time at what must be a very difficult time. Thank Appreciate you. This it. is actually helpful for me, so thank you, Levy. That was Dan Hill. If you want to read his brother Lawrence's moving obituary for his sister, it's on the Toronto Star website. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. We'll take a quick break and then head out to the garden with Zoomer Radio's garden show host, Charlie Dobbin. Stay with us. You're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. It seems that spring 
or at least a version of it, is finally here. That has many Zoomers itching to get out and get their hands in the dirt. But what will this brutal winter mean for spring gardening? I called on the expert Charlie Dobbin, host of The Garden Show. I think this is going to be an example where patience is going to make all the difference. Because as you know, so much of gardening is waiting and watching. And this spring really is going to be interesting to see what has survived and what hasn't survived. Not only the ice layer, but then the snow that stayed on top of the ice layer for all those months and the extreme cold. I think we'll find that some plants will have died above the snow level, but will still be alive beneath. So we'll be pruning and cleaning up some of those plants. The other thing we're discovering is as the snow is melting and the ice is melting, my goodness, there's just sticks and twigs and broken branches everywhere. So we've got lots of cleanup to do. Uh, And certainly all of us should be thinking about uh, calling up a certified arborist if we have any damaged trees on our property that should be trimmed properly. Do you think people are, as we speak, going out into the garden? Do you recommend that? Well, the only thing that would stop you from really stepping out onto the lawn or onto the garden right now is if it's too wet, because you can do more damage than good stepping onto soggy soil. So stay right away, and again, be patient if you can, if you're dealing with that kind of moisture level still. So if you can go out because things aren't too soggy, for sure it's time to start raking up some of the dead grass, removing obviously all those twigs that are sitting on top of the gardens and lawns. And, uh, and you know, the next step, of course, to rejuvenate our lawns will include some top dressing with good quality soil, overseeding with good quality seed, just so that when that, the ra- spring rains do come, we can get our lawns back in good condition. And in the coming weeks, okay, so we get past this. So what then is the schedule? Well, once things really start to pop, I mean, you know when, when there's that, the buds are fattening up and, of course, the birds are getting louder and there's just all that real spring feel happening, then it's going to be time to think about fertilizing. Now, whether you fertilize all your garden plants with a packaged fertilizer or you go out to the composter or you pick up packages of organic composted manure, one way or the other, we need to feed the soil and feed the plants and spring is the time to do that. Now, you mentioned something, and I hope that I'm not displaying my utter ignorance here. You talked about plants that might be dead on top but still alive on the bottom. How do we know? Well, that's where we're going to watch. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see wh- where the new growth comes. Uh, we may see, like I said, that the um, that below, very low on a plant, like a butterfly bush is a good right. example. That's a plant that's a zone 5 plant. So when we're in the Toronto area in zone 6, we expect butterfly bush to survive the winter. And yet in the spring, often the top of the plant is completely dead. And then we just trim right down to where the new green growth is starting. Uh, Other people in the more rural areas may find that voles and moles and rabbits have done, mice have done big damage beneath the snow, girdling the trunks of trees and the branches of of, uh, shrubs. So yeah, as the snow melts, we're going to start to see what, what survived and what needs to be cleaned up. When you start getting a sense of this, uh, should people be expecting, you know, bigger gardening bills this year or have to, having to buy more plants, whatever it's going to be? Um, hard to say. I, you know what? It's really hard to say what, whether all that snow was a good thing and insulated and helped keep plants alive or whether all that snow was a bad thing and actually suffocated things like our lawns. I think we are going to, all of us, if we have lawns at all, need to do some refreshing there because I think that the lawns will have suffered just from that ice layer for so long over top. Anything else? 
Yeah, I'm just going to go back to be patient and be happy when we start to see some, some color because obviously that's what we're looking for first are the bulbs. And, and when you are thinking about doing any kind of redesign or replacement of plants, the mantra now is think about flowers from the earliest possible time in the spring to the latest possible time in the fall because we want to support pollinators and bees. And because of climate change, the pollinators and bees are showing up at different times and it's all kind of confusing. So just support them by getting flowers right through the entire season so that you're ready with pollen when they're there. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like it would be a pleasure. It, it, I think it is. <laughs> okay, Charlie Dobbin, thank you so much. Thanks, Libby. You can hear more from Charlie every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. One of the great singers and actresses of the 20th century just celebrated her 90th birthday. Coming up, we'll take a sentimental journey with Doris Day. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Datebook tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, five-time Tony Award winner Audra McDonald stars as Billie Holiday. Billie Holiday was a woman who, despite so many hard knocks, was able to find herself in music and then have the world recognize her for that. Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill is a musical which tells the story around one of Holiday's final performances in 1959. It's in previews at the Circle in the Square Theater. We love our cats and dogs, but the ancient Egyptians really love their pets. In Santa Ana, California, a traveling priceless exhibit of ancient Egyptian animal mummies is on display at the Bowers Museum. And in Paris, head into the clouds at an exhibition of 17th century ceiling decoration. Sky Under the Roof is at the Louvre. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week, the iconic musician and movie star Doris Day celebrated her 90th birthday. She became one of the world's first pop stars after being noticed for her now famous recording of Sentimental Journey. Over her musical career, she released 29 albums, spent 460 weeks in the top 40 charts, and eventually became one of America's most beloved entertainers. Her film career was equally impressive. Before retiring from acting in 1973, she starred in almost 40 movies, including some timeless hits like Pillow Talk, That Touch of Mink, Calamity Jane, and Love Me or Leave Me. She was also a star on the small screen. Her hit TV program, The Doris Day Show, ran for five seasons. She recently reflected on her life in an interview with Closer magazine, saying, It was a great trip. I've had an amazing life and wonderful times, and I'm happy. Right now, we'll hear Doris Day sing one of her signature songs. Here is When I Fall in Love. When I fall in love, it will be forever.
That was Doris Day with When I Fall in Love. She was the first artist to make it a hit way back in 1952. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Please come back next week. We'll hear from the incredible actress, Glenn Close. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive Producer, Moses Nyman. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program Director, John Bendry. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.